Good morning, church. Pastor Lee, I see they put the clock back up. So I guess I better stick to five minutes. The other day when Sid called me and asked me to share what I went through with my accident with my eye injury, I thought about it for a minute. I was going to say no, but, you know, all of you know that I've been through a whole lot with different accidents and stuff in my life. And I thought, I say, okay, I'll do it. And after thinking for a few days, you know, what I've found out and I've searched the scriptures that we go through things to help other people. And today I hope that what I have to say might be able to help you get through whatever you're going through. Any trials that you're facing, any tribulations that you're going through, that two things, whatever you're going through, give God honor and glory for whatever you're going through. And I've learned that through this last year, you know, in November, it was a rainy Saturday, and we were all in the house having fun. But later that night, something tragic happened, and I was shot in my eye. And at first, I was shocked. I wasn't sure what was going on. But then, you know, reality hit. And then when we start facing things, we start to... Say, God, why me? Why are we going through these things? And I went to the hospital. The doctors came. They checked me out. Obviously, I was on medication, so I didn't know what was going on at the time. But Sunday morning when I woke up from after all the surgery, I was in the hospital by myself. And... I remember thinking, you know, Lord, use this time so that other people may see you through what I'm going through. And, you know, we started the program with the young kids who are living with us. And it was one of the young boys who shot me, but it was an accident. You know, and I had to be strong enough to make sure that he doesn't suffer through this. And after I got out of hospital, I had a meeting with the whole family. And I shared with them what I was going through. But I wanted them to know that whatever we face in life, ultimately God is in control. And that He will take us through no matter what. And before we left to go to Virginia this last time, uh, I was in a mini church group with Craig. And we were doing a series on Job. And it was that we, to count it all joy when we're going through diverse temptations. You know the story about Job and how he went through all of his trials, losing everything. And what stood out to me, and that's, he never, never turned his back on God. Craig, I want you to be careful about those studies you do. Because both me and you went through some serious trials during that time. But I want you to know that 
because of the studies that we did in those houses during that summer, it made me stronger to deal with what I went through. You know, there were times after the surgeries and all the different ups and downs to the doctors. We didn't even have enough money to put gas in the car. But God provided. And it's through your prayers here at Calvary, the prayers of the people at Thomas Road, and all of their financial help that helped us to get through it. And I can stand here today that, to let you know that God is still on the throne. And whatever you're going through today, put it in His hand. And make sure that whenever it's all said and done, God gets the honor and glory, not you. Thank you. Morning. Thank you, Jeff. <clears throat> Happy Father's Day, everybody. I want to say a special Father's Day to my dad. Um, he's 60 years old, and uh, he does everything he can to help me in my ministry here. Um, at the Father-Son Retreat, he was deathly ill, but he, um, he toughed it out. And, uh, you know... He, he he gives everything he can to me yesterday at the stakeout you know he um he was grilling steaks all day so you can thank him if if you got a steak and all the steaks were good right they were good yes okay good so thank him if it was bad blame me okay we can take that um so thank you daddy um as for why i'm up here this morning i'm just as clueless as you are um <laughs> I have no kids. I am not married. I, uh, I am the least qualified person to be up here. But they asked me to speak. And so, you know, it's just to give the fathers the day off. And so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, facing the challenge. That's the theme of this. And so uh, I am going to give a challenge. And if you think I have no right to do that, uh, as someone who has no kids and doesn't have a wife and doesn't have to face the responsibilities of being a father, you can tune me out. Go right ahead. Shut it down right now. The rest of you can turn to First Timothy. First uh, Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, and that's going to be our jump-off point. Uh, but before we get there, I want to read a couple of scriptures. The first is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, I, I will probably be the most hated man in this church after I read these verses today. After I give this message, um, this is suicide. Okay. Um, First Corinthians, yeah, this is the Bible, so it's not me, alright, so I'm just going to read it, and I just have to establish some, lay some groundwork before we get into this, okay? Uh, First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, this is what I'm reading, uh, now I commit, this is Paul, now I commend you because you remember me in everything, and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ... The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One more in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, 
submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Everybody's getting all, everybody's bristling up, right? The women are getting ready. The worst is yet to come. Here we go. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. This is Paul again. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Let me pray. All right? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. for the uncomfortable parts that force us to think and force us to study. Um, God, we, I thank you for, for this opportunity. Even though I am unworthy, Lord, I ask you to uh, guide me by your spirit. And in your grace, uh, allow your word to challenge us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. My message today is for the men. All right. It is not for wives uh, to submit. Um, it is for the men. What we, what we see in 1 Timothy, the, the first verses were just laying the, laying the groundwork. What does Paul say? The husband is the head of the wife. And this is, this is a theme that he repeats. And this is just something we need to understand. Uh, in 1 Timothy, he says, in the church, he, he doesn't allow a woman to teach um, or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And he gives the reasons. For Adam was formed first. In the sequence, uh, the one in authority is the one who comes first. And so God created Adam first. And he gave Adam the responsibilities of tending the garden. Uh, of naming the animals. And so, in creating Adam first... He gives him the authority. If he wanted Eve to have that authority, he would have created her first. That's, that's the point Paul is making. <clears throat> and so, in creation, the order is established that the male is to have the authority. Um, but he gives another reason. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, <clears throat> I mean, duck. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do not see this as saying women are gullible, women are easily manipulated and stupid or anything like that. I do not see this as being extremely harsh on the woman. I rather see this as being extremely harsh on the man. I see this as Adam knew exactly what was happening in that moment. Eve may have been convinced by the serpent who twisted the words of God. And all of us are manipulated by Satan and we do not believe the truth of God, men or women. 
But in this instance, the woman was deceived. But the man was not deceived, knew exactly what was happening, and still sinned against God, went against the command that God had given him. And God holds you much more accountable if you know what is right and you do not do it. If you are simple, if you aren't sure of what you're supposed to do and you mess up, He has greater grace for those. But if you know exactly what you're supposed to do and you don't do it and you willfully sin against God, there is harsher judgment for you. Let's go to the passage in Genesis chapter 3. I don't have much time, so I will go through this really quickly. Genesis chapter 3. I'll read the story and stop at certain points to make certain points. Okay. Uh, now, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Where did she learn that from? She learned that from Adam, right? God gave that command to Adam before Eve was created. And so, Eve, Adam, actually fulfilled his role as a teacher of the Word of God to his wife. As a teacher of the Word of God to his family. Because he had that authority and that responsibility. And so we see, Adam has done a good job in this area. He has taught his wife what she should know. Now, let's keep going. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, and your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it's practical, and that it was a delight to the eyes, oh, it looks nice, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, Who was with her? He was right there. And he ate. So we see Adam dropping the ball in a couple of areas. Adam uh, failed to protect his wife from this influence of this serpent. He's right there. He's hearing all of the words that he is saying to his wife. And he is letting her be deceived. He, it, because we learn in First Timothy, he was not tricked. He was not deceived. He knew exactly what was going on. But he let her be influenced by this. As soon as he heard what that serpent had to say, what should he have done? He's got to step up and say, no, shut your mouth. That is not what God said. But he lets the serpent keep talking. Now, so he failed in protecting. And we see that he was right there. Alright, so Eve, didn't, Eve wasn't off by herself, you know, having this conversation with this animal. 
and taking this fruit and then walking up to Adam and saying, Oh, hey, honey, look, I found some fruit. Let's eat. Are we hungry? No. He, he was right there. He wasn't surprised. He knew exactly what this fruit was and he knew exactly what was going to happen if he ate this fruit and he still ate it. So Adam dropped the ball not only in protecting, but he drops the ball in leading, in decision making. He sat back and allowed the woman to take the lead. Now, there could have been any number of reasons for this. Uh, Maybe Eve was a bossy wife, and he just got tired of listening to her all the time. And so he just said, whatever, all right, whatever. We'll do whatever you want to do. I just don't want to argue about it. Right? Any, any men relating to this? Okay, Craig in the back, thank you. One person. My father, yes. Okay, good. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was in West Palm Beach one time, and I was checking in at the, at the airport to fly back home. And I was just, you know, sitting there giving, giving the, the lady my passport and... I mean, out of the blue, this woman came from down the hall, you know, at the ticket counter, there's a million ticket counters, and she came storming, and she stood right next to me, and she slammed her hand on the table. You awake? She slammed her hand. She said, somebody needs to help me right now. Somebody lied to me. And you can just see her face quivering. And <laughs> you could just see her face. And you could just see that like the meltdown was about to happen. But her husband was about 30 feet in back. <laughs> with about five kids. And he was just sitting down and he was like, you deal with her. Have fun. You can just tell he had checked out because he had dealt with this enough. And what did the the lady behind the counter do? First thing she did, Sheriff, uh, we need to get down here. Um, I would be scared of that woman. I was just standing there and I was just like, what is happening? What do I do? Because she just kept going on and on and on. So maybe Eve was bossy. I doubt it. Uh, Maybe he just loved her too much. Maybe he knew what was going to happen to her. And so he just wanted to join in with whatever she was doing. Guys, we are suckers, aren't we? we? We will do anything for that woman that we love. Even if it means sinning against God. But we're not supposed to, right? We're supposed to step up and be the man who says, I am not going to join in in this with you. Even if it means you don't talk to me for a while. We compromise. Or maybe Adam was just overwhelmed by the whole situation. 
He's thinking so much. He's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? What's happening? She's eating this thing. Do I eat it? Oh, if I step up, she might get mad at me. Ah, uh, the serpent, I don't know if I can handle him. What's he going to say to me if I talk back to him? I don't know. Uh, and, and we can almost see that, you can almost feel a little bit of cowardice in, in Adam, in his manhood. Paralyzed by just not knowing what to do in a situation that, you, that he hasn't faced before. Afraid to step into the chaos of a poor decision that his family member is making. But that's not what he's called to do. He's called to step into that chaos. As the head, right? As in the position that God has given him. But why is it so important? Why, why does it matter that Adam did this? I mean, it was the woman who did it first, right? So you would think God would lay the blame on her. But who does God go to? The first person God goes to. In verse 9 it says, After the Lord is coming, walking in the cool of the day, it says, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And we see the fear coming up in Adam if you continue to read the rest of the passage. God lays the responsibility on the man even when it's not his fault. This situation was Adam's fault, but we're going to see later. In situations that are not even the man's fault, God places the responsibility on the man because he is the head. God holds the man accountable. And so we see... We see the failure of this first Adam lead to uh, his failure to lead, to disciple, to protect, to be wise, make good decisions. And we see the consequences of this failure. Uh, Romans 5 verse 12 says that through one man's sin, death spread to all men because all sinned. In Adam. So men, God's role for you is not about uh, having power, authority, and being in control, and everyone serving you because you're in charge, and I'm the head, and you know you got to do what I say. Um, that's not what God desires for you. Your role is about serving others, serving your wife, serving your kids, because your actions affect other people. This is something Adam did not consider. Maybe he did consider it, which makes it even worse. He, he probably did consider it, but he didn't consider the reality of the consequences. He doesn't know what death is, right? He doesn't know what it means to die. So we don't take it that seriously. But it is a serious thing. His relationship with God is damaged. His relationship with his wife has changed. These are all these consequences. Uh, The ground is now cursed. Work that God had assigned to him now becomes toil. Right? It becomes a pain. And due to his failure, men have become prone to silence in tough situations. 
Men become prone to handing off responsibilities to the wife. Handing off, leading, protecting, teaching God's word. Those are feminine things. And some women have seized upon that. Because the man won't do it, so now I've got to do it. But what was Eve's intended role when God created her? What was God looking for for Adam? A helper, not a leader. Not someone who runs the show. That role is intended for Adam. But that got switched around at the fall, and now God says the woman's desire is going to be to be over her husband. And so what do we do? Are we stuck in this condition of soft men, of men who are afraid to lead, of men who, when a tough situation comes up, backs down, uh, is, is negligent in teaching his family the word, neglects his wife, neglects his kids? Are we stuck in this situation? Of course not. We have hope. We have hope through Christ. Through Christ we can go back to the way things God intended them to be. Adam left us a poor example to follow, but we have a perfect example in Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Once again. Starting at verse 25. We have this command to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of His body. Christ loves for His bride. For His wife. For her benefit. Christ died for her. For her benefit and for His benefit, right? Because it says, you know, no man hated his own body. If you love your wife, you're loving yourself. You do yourself a service if you love your wife well. Um, And there are times when this is difficult. I am sure. I have heard. Okay? But when it is most difficult, think about your own relationship to Christ. Uh, Does He love you when you are hard to love? Does he serve you when you are hard to serve? Does he, is he patient with you when you are stubborn? I'm talking to the men. <clears throat> How much strength does a person need to have to love someone who does not want to be loved? Who refuses to love you back? This is the love that Christ has for us. This is the love that Christ asks husbands to have for their wives. 
that he asked fathers to have for their children. So make sure, make sure your wife is well loved. For her benefit, right? Because Christ loved the church and it benefited her, made her holy, blameless, spotless. Um, <clears throat> when, you, when you love your wife, not only are you making sure, are you benefiting her, you're benefiting yourself, and you're benefiting your kids. You do your kids a service when, you're, when they know that their mom is well loved by their dad. <clears throat> they will grow up healthier, they will grow up more confident in relationships, they will be able to love others well because they have seen it modeled in their home. Um, so, yeah, kiss your wife in front of your kids. They said, gross, go ahead. They'll thank you one day. Um, lately in the news, we've been following a couple. Uh, John and Kate. You guys know John and Kate Plus 8 on the Learning Channel. For those of you who don't know, this is a, this is a couple who have eight kids. Um, and it's kind of a sad story right now. Uh, they had sex tuplets at one point. And they've got eight kids now, and uh, but they're they're on the brink of divorce. Uh, the show has brought so much fame and uh, you know distraction, and 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 they've grown apart. And there's accusations of affairs and all these kind of things. And uh, I was I was flipping through channels um, the other week, and 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 the show was on, and they were talking. Um, they were talking about their situation. And, and what they said was that no matter what happens between us, you know, whether we get divorced or not, it's not going to affect our kids because, because our kids know that we love them and that we can come together uh, for their sake. And they, I, I couldn't believe that they actually said that and they, and they believe it, you know. Um, it's not reality, is it? Those kids are going to be wrecked. We can, we can deceive ourselves and say, what I do only affects me. But it doesn't. It affects everyone around you, including your kids. All that to say, just love your wife well. It helps your kids. Your kids will be better for it. So, in conclusion, fathers, you, you are the head of your household. This means you are responsible for leading, teaching, guiding, protecting, providing for your family. Even when they are being difficult. When your wife won't listen. When your kids are being rebellious and getting in trouble. Uh, even when, they, when the mistakes they make are not your fault, you are responsible for them. Why? Because Jesus is our example again. Uh, it is not his fault that we sinned. Right? It is not his fault <laughs> that, that we turned our back on him. But as the bridegroom, he took the responsibility on himself. And paid the debt that needed to be paid by dying on the cross for our sins. All our sins, all our mistakes, all our imperfections to make us holy and because He loved us. 
So this morning I want to ask the men, the fathers, to do a comparison. Look at Adam uh, and be honest and see how much, how much are you like Adam? Are you, are you afraid to step into the chaos of life with your family and lead? Do you seek comfort and familiarity over becoming what God has called you to become? Are you a proud and arrogant man seeking to love yourself while neglecting your wife and kids? Uh, Confess those. Confess those to God and repent. And seek those who can help you change. All while looking to Christ as your example. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for us. This, the strong love that loves even when uh, it is not returned. And God, I pray for all the fathers uh, this morning that they would seek to follow Christ's example, to be men of strength, men who lead, men who know their role, men who are humble and serve their families all while maintaining their position of authority. But I pray for those who, who feel like they, they aren't that man yet. And Lord, we know you can change anyone. Lord, we thank you for the example that Christ has left. May we all learn to serve and love others better. In Jesus' name, amen. I know everybody's ready to go, but they put me at the end of the program. So just give me a few minutes. I, I was asked by state if I would share about my experience as a father and as a Christian, as a believer, going through our current challenge as a family, and I agreed to do so. Uh, Webster defines crisis this way, an unstable state of affairs leading to a dramatic change in a person's life. That's a challenge. That's a crisis. An unstable state of affairs leading to a dramatic change in a person's life. In other words, anything that rocks your world, that throws you off course, is a crisis. And as humans, we're not very good at handling those crises. Most of you would know that uh, my family, we closed our business after 16 years late last year. There was just this confluence of events that, you've heard the term, this perfect storm. Well, we had this perfect storm where everything just seemed to go wrong at the wrong time. And as a believer, of course, I had difficulty reconciling why we had to close the business after we thought we were doing everything right. Right? We operated honestly, we tithed, we helped people. And of course, you know, believers, we we don't think these things should happen to us. As Jeff mentioned, he asked God, why me? Why these accidents? Why these things were happening to him? I asked those very same questions, particularly when you know of dishonest business people who seem to be prospering. Right, but that's another story. Uh, so, I, um, as a father and a parent, as a husband, I obviously was anxious, I was frustrated, and quite frankly, I was pretty angry, and angry at God. I remember coming to, as, as Brian says, this state of, this crisis of belief, where I literally had to decide if I was going to believe all that I had ever learned and knew and was taught about who God was and how faithful He was, or I wasn't. It was as simple as that. As a matter of fact, I got to a point where I even questioned if there was a God. I know some of y'all say, ooh, 
right? You've never been there. Right? I questioned whether there was a God. And this was all because of how I was feeling, the emotions, and uh, at that time when we had to close the business. So obviously my concern as a father was, how in the world now am I going to provide for my family? Well, um, I felt as, as if God had abandoned us. As a father of three children, we wondered what would be next. You know what? So at get, getting to that crisis of belief, I decided, and it's only God's grace, I decided that I was going to trust God. That despite what happened, I was going to trust God. Now, having made that decision, did everything turn around and become hunky-dory after that? Of course not. We are still in the midst of that crisis, as a matter of fact. But I tell you what did change was my perception of who God is and who God was. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And I firmly believe, folks, you can't get there without going through something. People can tell you all they want about a crisis. They can tell you about what faith is. But you can't get there until you've been there. Okay, so what have I learned? As we, even now as we um, go through this crisis, I learned, I experienced what real faith is. My faith in God, I think, has increased a hundredfold. Right? You think you have faith? We know you go through something. And you have nothing, nobody to hold on to, nobody to call on to but God. You're forced to believe. But you can do one of two things. You can either decide to believe or you can just say, you know what, this isn't worth it. I wasted all my time, all the Sunday school, all that mommy getting me early, getting me up early to go to church. Waste the time. Or you can say, you know what, Lord, I can't see you, I can't feel you, but I'm going to trust you. That's what you have to do. I've uh, experienced his presence more than ever before. Right? Knowing that God is there. Don't trust your feelings, folks. Don't trust your feelings. Feelings change. But we have to believe God never changes. Feelings change. God never changes. Feelings come and go. God is always with us, even when we don't feel Him. God's provision, I've learned. God is faithful. And the best indicator of that is how God, in the midst of our situation, even still how God's people have galvanized around us. We've gotten support, prayer, encouragement from so many people. We've developed rich relationships as a result of this crisis. Keep in mind now, a lot of this stuff we would never have experienced if we hadn't gone through this. Okay? So God's provision is true, for sure. Um, And this is a wonderful church. Despite what you may think, right? It is good to be in a in a church where people love you, where they will come to your to your to your need, they'll um, support your needs, they'll pray for you. Pastor Lee was, has been a a counselor, and uh, so it's important to be a part of a, an assembly, the family of God. My perspective of the about the future has changed. No longer am I thinking about ten years down the road. Matter of fact, I'm not even thinking about next year. Matter of fact, I'm not even thinking about next week. Frankly, I don't care about tomorrow. The Lord's Prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread. God has promised us this day. Okay, so I don't think about... I remember there was a, there was a time where we had to use all of the funds that we had saved for our kids' education for the future. We had to use them to pay some bills. Because the big problem and, and the, the, the gist of our crisis is that once we close the business, uh, we personally were responsible for a lot of the debt. Right? So that is the challenge. So we had to go and all this money we were saving for the future, for our kids' college education, we had to go and use that to pay down some debt. And 
it came it became it came very clear to me i was very worried about that lord what's going to happen when these kids are ready for school we don't have any money put them through college blah 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 and the lord spoke to me through his word that craig be concerned about today i'll take care of tomorrow so you know what my kids when the time comes god will provide he will take care of tomorrow and i firmly believe that and then what else have i learned i've learned and i've experienced god's peace as never before Folks, you get to a point where you say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. God is with me. And that is so liberating. And again, I can, you have to be there. You have to be there to get to a point where, you know, um, creditors, bill collectors are calling. And there's a peace. You do what you can do. You leave the rest to God. His peace. It really, literally surpasses all understanding. But you have to get that. I can tell you, but boy, you got to be there. What, is also, what I've also learned, the importance of family. Right? When you're going through a crisis, your family will be your main allies. My, I have an extremely supportive wife, my mother, my sister, uh, our extended family members. They, they have been tremendous. I remember very early on in this process, Stacy said to me, Greg, you know what? No matter what happens, we'll be all right. We'll be a family. And that meant so much to me. I think the worst thing you can do to a man a husband, is for him to be going through a situation, or the family to be going through a crisis, and the wife is unsupportive or blaming him, that's the very worst thing I think you can do to a man. Thank the Lord for my wife. She said, Craig, whatever happens, we will be okay. We'll be a family. So that meant so much to me. And again, keep in mind, I, I probably wouldn't have heard that unless we'd gone through this crisis. So I'm showing you all these silver linings in this crisis. Right? Um, so... And our children, we uh, were very open and frank with them, explained to them the situation. We can't do some things anymore, right? We have to cut back, you know, some things like vacations and all that we just can't do. And they fully understood. They jumped right in. Um, uh, they, they, so I think it's important that you be very open and honest with your kids, whatever situation you're going through, right? Um, back to God's provision, just briefly. Just to show you how we provide it. Me and my wife were working in the business for 16 years. When we closed the business down, probably a week to two weeks afterward, I was offered a job by someone in this church. Right? Another four, three, four weeks went by, my wife was offered a job by someone in this church. We are both employed by people in this church. Right? God provides. Don't tell me God doesn't provide. He does provide. Our journey continues. We are still in the midst of it. We don't know how everything will work out. And frankly, we don't have to know. But here's, here's a, what I call divine math. We have less as a family now, but we have more. Because we have less, we have more. We have more of God. We have more of relationships. We have more of, 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 of knowing who God is. Makes no sense to the world. But we have so much less now, but we have so much more. And I thank God for that. So I can tell you finally that God is good. That he is always present in the midst of suffering. You may not feel him, but he is there. I can tell you, and we all know, that his primary purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. To get us to a point where we don't depend on the banks. We don't depend on someone else. We depend on him. And understanding that that's his purpose, you will appreciate that his purpose is greater than any pain you can go through. God's purpose is greater than any pain you can go through. 
sounds, roading out, and it's, you know, it's easy to say your figure, but you have to be there. Right? So I'm here really to encourage everybody who may be going some, through something to let them know that God is faithful. James, um, Jeff mentioned James says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. For the life of me, I could never understand that passage, Pastor. I said, that's crazy. How can you count it all joy when you're going through a situation? And initially, when, when this situation um, hit us, there was no joy there at all. Trust me. So how, what in the world is James talking about count it all joy? And you know what? I didn't understand it. But you know, I believe I'm beginning to get it. I believe I'm beginning to get it. I can actually, and I find myself doing it. I actually smile sometimes now when a bill collector calls for money. I smile because I know we did what we, we do. We'll do what we can do, and God will take care of the rest. And so there's a sense of joy. The strangest thing, not joy in the situation, but joy in knowing that we. I now have a special relationship with a God who is much bigger than that situation. I can smile. Count it all joy. So to fathers and to others, whatever you're going through, I simply say, be encouraged. God is faithful. Thank you.